Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind him. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Barth. Good gosh, dirty! This is the Heel Tough Blog What's going on, guys? Welcome in another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back on video here uh, with you guys. And I couldn't be more excited here uh, to have the video editions of the podcast back. We know you guys have enjoyed those so much. The one uh, the other night recapping uh, Carolina's early signing class went so well. And so uh, we're hoping that once again, this edition uh, we'll do. We'll go exactly the same way for you guys. Uh, so uh, let's uh, get into it here and, and talk about uh, you know Carolina's bowl game now. As Carolina, that's where the attention turns to. Uh, this is kind of how it works now uh, with how the offseason is built. It's uh, not quite the way that it used to be. Things are just so frantic. Um, and so there hasn't really been a lot of focus on the bowl game. Now there's guys that have made their decisions. We've talked about that. Um, but now it's officially time to actually break down the game. And, of course, we'll talk about some of those absences and everything like that, um, what you know, Carolina has to do to navigate those. There's some on West Virginia's side that Carolina uh, you know, could, could take advantage of uh, in this game, and we'll talk all about that here coming up. But we got to start by talking about uh, two press conference um, quotes that have gotten a little bit of run here for uh, from around Carolina's coaching staff uh, within the last week. Mac Brown, uh, of course, yesterday spoke with the media, um, his comments about uh, Dave Dorn and what was said after the uh, game uh, against NC State back in late November. Um, this was his first press conference since then, so he got a chance to react to that. So we'll, of course, uh, talk about that one. And then Gene Chizik, uh, talking about his future, uh, that was uh, late last week. So uh, we'll talk about both of those here coming up on this edition of the podcast. But uh, so far, the off season has been uh, pretty crazy. Um, but hey, buddy, we are we are finally back on uh, on the live editions uh, on camera, everything like that. So uh, excited to uh, be able to see your your uh, your beautiful face yet again. 
Yeah, um, don't know if the the break was was long enough for for many. Um, wasn't long enough for me, even though I I got to see you uh, five days a week anyway. But um, you know, pretty anxious about this bowl game finally getting here and finally just putting a bow on this season and figuring out where Carolina goes from here. Um, you know, I don't put, I don't think the result really matters. I think how it looks matters. And I think some of the messaging after the game is going to matter just to see where this program is, because it's not a program that's in free fall, but it is a program that once again, um, failed to meet any of its preseason goals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why they're in the bowl game that they're in. You know, you really saw it uh, reflect with how they ended up recruiting, uh, a dip in what we've seen since Mac Brown returned. They haven't had, you know, a big-time transfer yet really commit to the program either, so they're having issues in that. But this could be a game that changes all that around. And if Carolina looks the part uh, post-Drake May, this could be – uh, a place that, you know, could attract some better talent as the portal season moves on. And, um, you know, I think if you're a Carolina fan, that's the reason why you watch this game um, is to see what you have in Connor Harrell. I know he's already, you know, admitted they're going to be in a quarterback battle. But if he comes out and looks the part and puts together the type of performance that I think he's capable of, you know, I, I do think there's reason to be excited about this team going into next year. Yeah, I mean, look, the the signing class, you know, kind of as I broke it down uh, last night, I think is probably about where the class was that Carolina brought in last year. Um, it's not even nearly as talented just across the board uh, as that one. This one is really just more the sheer amount of guys that Carolina is bringing in. But it's certainly guys that I think, you know, when you look at it, you kind of wonder if they might be better fits for Carolina. We've talked Uh, for a while about Carolina going out and getting guys that really just fit what the staff is looking for um, instead of just trying to make it work because they are, um, you know, a four or five star type talent. Um, So hopefully that's, that's the way that, you know, this staff is looking at it and uh, they'll they'll be able, I I mean, I got to be honest, don't feel a ton of confidence in the fact that they're going to be able to develop guys because they haven't been able to develop the guys that have uh, the the better talent coming out of high school. So now you're asking them uh, to you know work on a group that has you know a, a lot of potential but needs some so, some work in terms of their development. So we'll see ultimately what the staff is able to do and in the transfer portal you know i just i don't know how aggressive carolina really has been i think there's a couple of guys that carolina has looked at the guy that would be the biggest fish that i think would probably get people most excited and and would probably be the biggest acquisition of the offseason would be five star corner nylon green and uh former five star corner nylon green um out of georgia I think he's probably, you know, a guy Carolina has a good a, a good chance with um, because of his relationships with Charlton Warren and uh, Larry Porter Jr. Uh, but at the same time, I just I got to be honest, I don't know if Carolina doesn't land him, how many other prospects they honestly have. I feel like they use the high school class to sort of replenish this roster. Um, so it's, you know, it's going to be an extremely young team. 
that I feel like is going to need some momentum going in. And I feel like that's a big part of the reason why a win could go a long way for Carolina. But as I said, before we get fully into the bowl game, let's talk about the comments um, from a couple of Carolina's coaches. And we got to start with Mac Brown spoke with the media uh, on Wednesday, recapping the early signing class for Carolina. Now he did an eight minute, uh, presser before he then gets into the film breakdowns. I uh, had thought that he wasn't even doing the film breakdowns, but he did. He went through and broke all 27 guys down. But before that, he does a little eight-minute presser where people can ask questions and everything like that. Um, usually, I mean, it's not going to be much that pertains to the bowl game, but now, you know, especially with the transfer portal, people want to ask questions about that. And one of the topics that came up was – the comments from Dave Doran after Carolina's game uh, against them at the end of last month. And this was the first time that Mac Brown got to react to them. And he took issue with, uh, you know, one of the phrases that Dave Doran used during uh, that press or, or during that speech uh, that they showed on ACC network. Here's what the head coach of the Tar Heels had to say. Last ball game. <clears throat> With a rival school after the game, the, the head coach of that school called our players a piece of shit. And I apologize for that language, but I've never heard something like that before. And I'm, I'm disappointed. Uh, I thought it was classless. Uh, it's not true. Uh, number one, we didn't play well in the game. We didn't coach well in the game. That's been very well documented, and I got that. Uh, but you don't call kids a piece of shit. And um, I've addressed it with our team. I apologize to them. Uh, these kids are one of the top academic groups in America, they got an award for AFCA's top 13. Um, they've won a coastal division. They, they've won a bunch of games. They, they've been to an Orange Bowl, been to five straight bowls. They represent us well. And from me speaking for them and their parents, they really didn't appreciate uh, being called a piece of shit. Never heard that before. In our last ball game. <clears throat> All right, so there's there's uh, Mac Brown there. Um. You know, I it's I look, I, I get why Mac Brown has to come out and say something. I think at the end you heard um, there were probably some parents that were a little despondent about their ch their, their child uh, in their minds being called uh, a piece of piece of crap. Um, clean it up just a little bit there for you guys. Um, I, I which I get like. Clearly, if that's my kid that's playing on the team and you hear that from a rival coach, I'm going to be pretty fired up. Um, you know, I'm the, I, I, now the thing is, is that, um, you know, the easy solution, I think, in a lot of people's minds is win the ball game and you don't have to worry about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I will say this. He said that he's never seen that before. And you're right. You have never seen that before. Now, if you want to believe Dave Doran that he didn't know the cameras were in the locker room, um, then you can, if not, it's understandable too. To me, I mean, he says that he would have cleaned it up if he knew the cameras were in the the locker room. I, I guess maybe we've seen Dave Dorn. We've seen the way Dave Dorn likes to act, especially when it comes to this game. I don't really believe that to be honest with you. Um, and I also think that Dave Dorn looks pretty pathetic coming back and, and apologizing now. Um, even though it was sort of a half-assed apology. Um, 
I, I think he's a guy that, hey, man, you want to be that that tough guy, that hard ass? Well, then you should probably stick by your comments. But, um, you know, the thing is, this is probably from their university putting pressure on him to come out and apologize, very similar to what we saw with Drake May when he had to come out and apologize for his comments last year. What do you make of these comments from, from Mac Brown? I, I mean, I know this is a very, very polarizing issue. A lot of Tar Heel fans uh, very fired up about this. State fans on the other side, uh, not happy. So well, what do you make of it? Uh, it's soft. Like, if you had that much of an issue, um, you shouldn't have waited three weeks to respond. You could have issued a statement that could have been sent out, you know, mm-hmm. through Twitter, or, or, or whatever. Um, but it's also the perfect reflection of what this program is and the perception of the program. Um, because Dave Doran didn't, he didn't lie. He didn't mince words. Like he told you what he thought of us. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think in the modern world, you got to respect that because most coaches wouldn't be that brutally honest and that unfiltered about it. Um, and the reality is, is that Dave Doran and his program and their kids buy into everything that is said about Carolina that, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're pinkies out We're we're this high class, highbrow group of people, which in a lot of ways we are. And they take that very offensively on the flip side, our kids don't look at NC State the way that we look at them as their fan base, which is peasants, farmers, um, and really, you know, scum of the earth human beings. And that shows up on the football field. It's why this rivalry in the lifetime has been fairly one-sided. It's why, you know, our best quarterbacks usually don't have good records against NC State. I mean, Sam went – we went two and one. But that, that loss was something that he'll never forget as much as any great win he ever had. Drake's 0-2. Mitch Trubisky, you know, you know on, on Black Friday couldn't beat State. T.J. Yates, Brent Renner couldn't beat NC State. And so um, I, I think with the way that, that Mac Brown handled it is why you see Carolina struggle so much in that game. Because they don't get up for the game the way that NC State does the way that state treats us, we don't we don't feel the same way about them. Um, and first off, Mac Brown's lying. Like, you coached in the Red River rivalry, one of the best rivalries in the sport. I'm pretty sure Bob Stoops had some things to say about you, your team, at some point. Um, you also coached against Texas A&M, and we all know how great that rivalry used to be. I'm pretty sure their coaches along the way probably said some things. So I I think it came across weak. I think a lot of it was him trying to deflect on uh, the negative, you know, the negativity that exists around his program while NC State's thriving with a chance to win 10 games after they bust your butt in the game. It happens, what, 12 hours after they basically get a kid to flip their commitment from us to NC State. Just a lot of deflection. Um, And it's – it's why people that are anti-Mac Brown are anti-Mac Brown because, you know, Roy Williams wouldn't have went up there and, and made it like he would have, he would have, he would have clapped back. He would have chirped back. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what needed to be done there um, because we are the, the official state university. 
Um, and everything about this state runs through Chapel Hill and not Raleigh. But for some reason, Mac Brown wanted to go up there and, and cry wolf, and it's not a good look for him or the program. I, I mean, yeah, look, I, I, I definitely think that's that's part of it. Um, you know, I said it on air today. I, I think, you know, it honestly makes you look like the kid who's getting picked on and goes and tells the teacher or whatever like this this is a move that um you know it's not it's not going to work out well for carolina because the ultimately do you think that they're going to use this as actual motivation for next year's game probably not it'll be forgotten by them um it's just trying to point attention to something where i don't really know how much attention you need to actually point towards it um all these things are, are said i gotta be honest I know Carolina fans say, well, we're above that. We shouldn't be saying those types of things. I want you to say those types of things about state because I say those types of things about state. And I really don't care that anybody knows them. That's how I feel about them. I hate their guts. I hate everything about their fan base. I hate everything about their university. And I've already, I, I said it earlier today. If that university ceased to exist, I would not care. It, it, my life would be better without them. Um, that's the mindset that you should take to rivalry games. Um, and this should be one of those things that is bulletin board material. We've heard it before. It's cliche. This is legitimately something that anytime this game gets talked about, you should talk about this moment moving forward. This should be something where you use this as fuel to you know, to, to light the disdain that uh, NC State has for you. And, and, and I mean, you should hate them as much as they hate you. I don't understand why. Um, we went over it after the game where we think that that's a big, that that's a big area where Mac Brown and his staff are starting to slip. Um, and that's the reason why we wonder if he's really connecting with players uh, and, and I think this, I, I mean, I don't really understand it. If this is how our players feel, then you've got the wrong set of players. You need guys in here that are going to be ticked off, angry about this, that are actually going to save this and let it fester for an entire year and use this next year. Um, I mean, it, it, but to me, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be something that Mac Brown is going to tell them to put out of their heads. Don't worry about it. Um, they're not our rivals anyways, which is, you know, at this point, especially with this comment, is now getting old. Guys, they are our rivals in football. They are our biggest rivals in football. I would rather beat them than beat Duke. If we're going to go on a losing streak, I'd rather lose to Duke than lose to NC State at this point. Like, I could lose the next 30 to Duke, and I would not care, as long as you beat NC State. That's the mindset that you should want your players to take. And this past year, we heard them say how many times leading up during the week of the game that we're going to respond. They planted their flag in the middle of our field last year. Well, that didn't happen because clearly, even though they said it meant something to them, it really didn't mean that much to them. Well, this time around, it feels like apparently this does mean that much to you. It clearly means enough to your parents where something was said to Mac Brown. 
Well, if that's the case, then you need to actually respond to this because, I mean, I don't know. I, look, I get it. Mac Brown, I think there, there definitely is a part of him that was probably offended by what was said. I think the other part of it is he had to, he felt like he had to do this, especially with probably the uproar from the parents uh, of the student athletes. Um, you know, in terms of like him, you know, you, you said that he lied. I mean, look, I don't think he lied. I don't think we've ever heard this before actually from a head coach, because guess what? This is what's said in the locker room. Like, no, of course they're not going to come out in press conferences and say this stuff, but this is one of the first times we've ever really seen them go inside a locker room. We've seen them go inside locker rooms in the NFL before, but in the NFL it's known that, okay, there's someone that's always going to be in your locker room for Fox or CBS or whatever. You need to be careful with what you say. The ACC network I mean, look, I don't watch enough enough coverage of the ACC network um, in, in post-game. Like, usually whenever they're covering our games, we're usually at the games. Um, but, I mean, I don't really feel like I've ever seen this before where they've gone inside the locker room. So, um, you know, to me, I, I think that may be sounding like it's standing up for Dave Doran. Don't get it wrong, man. I hate Dave Doran just as much as anybody. Um, because I truly believe that he feels the way that he said in the locker room. I, I think I, I got pushback from this today, um, you know, on the main airwaves. I, I truly believe he hates Mac Brown. I truly believe that he hates Drake May. Um, I think the the guy is the guy is an ass. Like there's no way around it. I hate him. I hate his guts. Um, and he knows that he knew he, he it's very obvious when we go to ACC media days that he knows I am not a fan of his and I don't really care. Um, but at the same time, like I, this is this is a moment like coaches say this stuff all the time. I mean, for crying out loud, Mac, you had a coach at one time back in the 90s in the 1993 game against State. Donnie Thompson, who literally form tackled another coach to the ground. Like, that's the type of fire that we want to see. That's a moment that Carolina fans replay every single year. And I, I think we want to see more of that fire from Matt Brown. Although at this point, you wonder with his age, is that just not something that's there for him? But you want to see it from the other coaches on the staff. You want to see it from the players. And I just don't know right now if, if you've got that on your roster and on your coaching staff, and that's ultimately a problem. Now, yeah. let's, now let's get to Gene Chizik's comments. Um, this one, not nearly as polarizing, but rather interesting. When he was talking, uh, this was his pre-poll presser, um, was asked a whole bunch of different things. But at the very end of the presser, somebody asked him, about his future um, and, you know, what his plans are. Does he uh, hope to be back next season or have they told him about what his future looks like? And this was his response. Uh, to answer your question, I don't know all of what, uh, you know, what will happen at the end. We know that this is a big man sport, right? So everybody's got to uh, assess and evaluate. Uh, and in the end, we will come up with whatever is the best for the university. We'll come up with whatever is the best for this program. Uh, and it's all good one way or the other. It's all good. But, um, you know, 
the uh, we got great kids here. I think we got a great future here, and uh, we'll attack all of that stuff after the last game, and you know we'll do what's best for the university. Uh, so, uh, you know this this one. I mean, look, there's there's a couple of things here. First of all, uh, the last part of that, attacking this at the end of the bowl game and do what's best for the university. Well, here's the thing. Um, why wouldn't you have done that already? That's why I don't really think that there's much that's going to come out of this game. I think Gene Shizik's going to be back. I think every member of this defensive coaching staff will more than likely be back unless it is just that ugly of a performance against West Virginia because – this group that you've had in place just signed this current signing class. And maybe, maybe you say, okay, they're just trying to, you know, bring these kids in. And then eventually if they're going to move on from guys, they will so that they at least have these kids in the, in the program. Um, that would be, you know, something for sure. Uh, it's not the way that you would think Mac Brown would want to go about things, but um, it's certainly possible um, but I also think you see the connections that some of these coaches are developing with some of the transfers that are not yet in place. Um, I, I, to me, I don't really think this bowl game has much of a – will determine much about the staff. I think uh, this is a, a staff that's probably already set for next year, and they're basically uh, just going to run it back. What about you? Yeah, I mean – I'm kind of indifferent on Gene Chizik. Like, if he's back, I'm not – like, I'm not against the move because I, I think he's a good defensive coordinator. It's, you know, does he got to work with the same defensive line coach is maybe the bigger issue. But, you, you know, I, I think this is a guy that, um, you know, there's, there's a loyalty aspect there with Mac to Gene. There's a respect factor from Gene to Mac. Um, so I think they get along very well and you need that on your coaching staff. Um, you, you know, and I, like before the Virginia game, we didn't want Gene Chizik fired. And after the Virginia game, like, you know, there was frustration there, but how much of it was his fault? Like he's still, he's been the coordinator two years. It's not like he has a full, a full cycle you know, or, or, you know, four years of the guys that he wants on the defensive side of the ball that he's recruiting. Now, granted, he didn't have that in 15 or 16 when he turned around what was a pretty bad defense then and helped elevate Carolina to, you know, 19 wins in two seasons. But um, I don't think he'll – I mean, I think as long as he wants to coach, he'll have a job. I think that's the question is, is – does he want to do it? Because we know how committed this man is to his family, and no one's going to get mad if he walks away to go spend time with his wife and his kids. So I think it's something he's really got to decide. That's probably what the, the message is going to be. If you want to be here, you're going to be 100% bought in, you have a job. If you have any doubts, let's go ahead and nip this in the butt so I can go find the next defensive coordinator to try and turn this thing around. Well, I mean, look, the fact that this would be his decision is a problem. Um, you need to do what's best for your program. Um, I don't think – I think the game's passed him by. I, I think we've talked about it with Mac Brown. I don't think Gene Shizik has made the adjustments to this game. He fell back into very similar habits to what we saw last year uh, as the year wore along. Um, he is just 
I mean, one of the nation's worst in terms of being able to rotate guys, which is a big part of the reason why his defenses have faded down the stretch of the la- each of the last two years. Um, yeah, he's had some challenges in terms of working with coaches that he wasn't entirely familiar with. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he has to absolve a lot of the blame, especially as the season wore along. You saw, you know, the game against Georgia Tech, no adjustments made to try to load the box, try to take away the running game, allows Georgia Tech to run all over him in that fourth quarter and eventually win the game. Um, NC State was a complete disaster. Um, that that game was very similar to the Russell Athletic Bowl, which was basically the beginning of the end of his first tenure in Chapel Hill because 2016 became a bit of a mess. And we all know after that season, he ends up stepping away. Could he end up stepping away after this game? Who knows? But for Carolina, you got to do what's best for you. And if you really feel like the majority of the fans feel, which is that Gene Chizik is not the guy, then you probably have to move on and find a guy that's younger, find a guy that's going to bring a more innovative system in that understands the current uh, state of the game because, you know, Gene Chizik admitted that in the offseason that uh, he was shocked by some of the, the some of the things that were different from when he was last coaching, uh, which was ironically in Chapel Hill uh, six years prior. Um, it, it seemed like early in the season – Maybe there were some adjustments made, but I don't feel like you can feel that that confident in him moving forward. Um, if every time things get difficult, he's just going to fall back into the same comfortable stuff that, you know, I, I mean, confuses his players. I mean, we, we heard it after that game against Georgia Tech. Cedric Gray said, I had trouble setting up what was being taught, what, what was being called to me. Um, and at some point, it, it just is your is your system too complex? Um, is your system just frankly not working, and the players don't trust it? Um, I, I think you've you've really got to evaluate this. But the problem mm-hmm. is, is that it feels like the hay is in the barn. You kept this group in place. They were they they brought in this recruiting class, and we know how loyal Mac Brown is. So who knows ultimately what this ends up uh, what, what this ends up meaning. So now let's turn to the uh, bowl game itself and preview the game in Charlotte, the Dukes Mayo Bowl against the West Virginia Mountaineers. And uh, this one, not going to lie to you, this one is going to be an extremely tough one. West Virginia uh, is a team that is coming in, feeling themselves. Um, You know, Carolina, meanwhile, looking for their first bowl win since 2019 in the military bowl. Uh, that's the thing. Even as good as Carolina played in 2020, they fall short in the Orange Bowl. Um, 2021, of course, the disaster season, uh, which ends with a Dukes-Mayo Bowl loss to uh, South Carolina, which ultimately ends up getting Jay Bateman fired, who is now, ironically, uh, back uh, as a D.C., this time at Texas A&M. Uh, and then, uh, of course, last year, uh, Carolina loses – uh, to in the uh, Holiday Bowl uh, out there in San Diego to Oregon. So uh, Carolina is looking for some sort of success in a bowl game because it just hasn't been there. That's something that has carried over from Larry Fedora's time in Chapel Hill to the Mac Brown era. Carolina won and four all-time in bowl games in Charlotte, including the loss in 2008 in the Meineke Car Care Bowl to 
this school that they were they will face on Wednesday, West Virginia. Their lone win, of course, coming back in 2013 in the Belk Bowl under Larry Fedora against Cincinnati. Uh, Carolina, a one and one all time against the Mountaineers. Uh, of course, that the one loss is that game that I just told you about, and the win uh, came in another bowl game, the 1996 Gator Bowl under the direction of Mac Brown. Um, in terms of this year's West Virginia squad, uh, a team that I don't think felt like they were going to be in this position uh, or before the season started. Most people thought that their record would probably be reversed. Uh, this is a team that's eight and four. Expectations were that they were going to finish near the bottom of the Big 12, potentially finish four and eight, five and seven. Um, but this team is really feeling themselves coming in six and three in uh, the Big 12 this year. Pretty solid record for a conference that um, was, you know, not not great. They had a couple of heavy hitters at the top, um, but the, the middle of the pack wasn't exactly great. But still, um, they were able to navigate uh, a group that involved teams like Kansas State, Kansas, and found a way to finish with six wins in that conference offensively. Um, this is, you know, uh, uh, the type of team that is going to give Carolina problems. 31.6 points per game, so a team that scores at a pretty high level, 438.2 yards of total offense. Uh, just 203.8 of those are through the air. The bigger concern, 234.4 rushing yards per game. This is one of the best rushing attacks in the entire country, Carolina, uh, with a run defense that uh, is uh, below or uh, since conference play started, one of the worst in the entire country. Um, it all starts on the offensive side of the ball for West Virginia with quarterback Garrett Green. Uh, really strong year uh, through the air and on the ground. Uh, you had 2,178 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. Um, again, not a guy that's you know going to take over a game with his arm. But the thing that he does that, uh, you know, Carolina uh, is hoping to exploit a little bit uh, in this game. Uh, he takes care of the football. Carolina needs to find a way to be able to turn him over. Um, 708 rushing yards so far this year, 13 rushing touchdowns for the starting quarterback. Now, the team will be without their leading rusher. C.J. Donaldson uh, will not play in the game due to an unspecified injury, but they do have Jaheim White. He's going to take the bulk of the carries. And so far this year, Jaheim White, 792 rushing yards, which is just six off the pace of C.J. Donaldson, who is their leading rusher, and uh, 8.2 yards per carry. So a very explosive back. Only found the end zone three times. That was the area where C.J. Donaldson did the most, uh, the bulk of his work. Um, so maybe this is an area that Carolina, when they get into the red zone, is able to slow them down with a more uh, fast and twitchy guy instead of a guy that can really pound it in between the tackles. But still, uh, we saw Carolina get exploited on the edges throughout the uh, throughout the season and especially late in the year. So. Uh, this is going to be a big challenge for them. The uh, passing game, uh, you know, in terms of the receiving group, really spread out. You have six different players who have over 200 yards receiving. So Carolina has got to be prepared for a bunch of different guys uh, that could be targeted throughout the game. Devin Carter, the state transfer, uh, 27 catches, 501 yards, two touchdowns, leads the way. Tight end Cole Taylor going to be uh, a tough guard for Carolina in this one. Uh, 33 catches, 411 yards, four touchdowns. 
Uh, Carolina, of course, without their best coverage linebacker, Cedric Gray, who's gone to the NFL. So uh, this is going to be a pretty big challenge for Carolina. Um, in terms of the offensive line, really, really solid group. The tackles, really where it all starts, Wyatt uh, Milliam and Doug Nestor, both guys that are good in pass protection, very good in run blocking. So Carolina's got to be prepared for both of those guys. Defensively, um, this is a group that Carolina can exploit a little bit. They're allowing 27.5 points per game so far this year, uh, 384.3 yards of total offense, 239.9 yards uh, through the air, 144.3 on the ground. Um, the, the strength of the group is linebacker. Um, they have uh, a guy that came out of the state of North Carolina. Carolina never really recruited him that hard coming out of high school, but he's probably their best player, Lee Pogba. Um, definitely a name to know heading into this game. Uh, the defensive front, very solid group, led by edge rusher Jarrett Bartlett and defensive tackle Mike Lock, uh, Lockhart. Uh, and then their secondary is graded out pretty well, but they have allowed some yards. That's the area that Carolina – uh, we'll probably look to exploit them a little bit. Uh, Beanie Bishop and Malachi Ruffin, their starting corners, are the strength of the unit, though. Both guys uh, allowing uh, a passer rating of uh, right around 70 so far this year, which uh, is, is pretty solid, uh, especially for starting corners. Um, the biggest thing, you know, when it comes to this West Virginia team, though, this is where we'll start when we talk about the Tar Heel storylines. Um, is really just the motivation factor for this game. The mindset for West Virginia, you would, you would expect this will be a team that's locked in, a chance to get nine wins. Um, nine wins for them would be massive, uh, especially with all of the preseason expectations uh, or lack thereof um, for them and with the fact that Neil Brown um, and his staff, I think a lot of people felt like by this point of the year, uh, would probably be on their way out of town and now look like they're uh, going to be sticking around potentially for a few years down the line. Uh, for Carolina, season hasn't gone the way that you would expect, um, and they need to bring the right mindset. But ultimately, you know, when you look at Carolina, where is the mindset of this team? And uh, I, I think the other big question is, is, is this a team that is rested now that they are, um, you know, about – will be at that time almost exactly a month out uh, from their previous game. Yeah, I mean, this is your classic. This bowl game means a lot to one team and probably not so much to another because this isn't where they thought they'd be when they were 6-0 and and ranked number 10 in the country at one point. And, um, you know, that's pretty much what bowl season has divulged into. Um, typically the game means more to one school than the other. And if that happens, you typically get a, a result that would reflect that. Um, but Carolina's got to look at this as a situation with as many new guys that are going to be, uh, on the field. Like this is, this is their first step towards next year and really putting something out there that the staff can believe in, um, and I, you know, I think that's 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 kind of the excitement that that, that I'm going to have for this game because we're going to get to see some dudes play that we didn't see play a whole lot this year because of a lack of rotation, um, just the lack that some guys were buried under the depth chart, and that is the beauty, 
I guess, of the transfer portal now is that, you know, this opens up the door for you get to, to for you to get a really good look at some of these guys. And so it's going to be interested to see um, these dudes that haven't played very much. You should be motivated because you this is your first chance to really play this year. Um, and you're going to be in your backyard. I don't don't think there'll be as many Carolina fans in the crowd as there were for the game back in uh, in late August, early September. But um, this this is a chance. To, it doesn't. You know, if you win this game, it doesn't amend what you didn't do this year. It, it doesn't make up for it. But you could at least leave 2023 on some sort of positive note. Yeah, I mean, and you said it there. A lot of these guys that are going to be playing in this game, um, you know, there, there will be a majority of the guys that are still going to be part of the main starting group from this year. But there are some guys at some key positions that are going to get um, their first opportunities to play a significant role. So those guys should be motivated. Um, you know your quarterback is going to be motivated. Drake May would have been too. But, uh, you know, Connor Harrell knows that this is a chance for him to show that he is the quarterback of the future for Carolina. And I think, you know, you look at him, you look at Amari Campbell, um, there's some other guys. I mean, I think Chris Culliver could get a real opportunity. He's at, he, the depth chart that they released today, um, he's actually the starting kickoff returner for Carolina in this game, uh, along with he, he's probably going to get some reps. You'd imagine rotating in and out with Gavin Blackwell, who's going to start on the outside uh, with Kobe Pesor sideline, with Tez Walker not playing in the game. Um, so the opportunities are going to be there, and I think – you know, that is the one shining light in this game for Carolina is that you've got some guys that are going to be playing with that a little bit of extra motivation. I think you're going to learn a lot about what uh, they're, they're going to be, you know, for your team moving forward. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, that's going to determine a lot about what this game looks like. Um, you know, the other one of the other big storylines for me outside of those two that we've talked about, is supplementing the losses of the guys that are not going to be there. Um, you know, Drake May not being there is huge. Connor Harrell is a guy that uh, I think ha has a, a skill set that we all like. We saw a little bit of a preview of it against Campbell. This is a, a huge mm -hmm. step up for him, though. Um, so we don't really know what exactly you're going to get from him. Um, you, you lose Tez Walker not playing in this game. Can Gavin Blackwell, uh, can Chris Culliver, can some of the other receivers step up uh, and, you know, sort of help to uh, supplement him being gone? Um, the other thing is the tight end room. Um, you know, that's that's the room that's as beat up as any with injuries. Uh, you're talking about no scholarship players with uh, Bryson Nesbitt and John Copenhaver on the shelf due to injury. Also, uh, Julian Randolph, uh, another guy who Carolina brought in in the last recruiting class. That's a true freshman. He's been sidelined for the entirety of the season with an injury he suffered back in fall. And then the transfer of Kamari Morales means that there's an opportunity for guys to step up. But we've also heard from Chip, Ke uh, Chip Kelly, Chip Lindsay, uh, that they are going to use some different packages um, especially you'd imagine in the passing game, we'll probably see a lot of four wide receiver sets in the running game. You'll probably see extra offensive linemen in there. Um, and 
I, I think, you know, th- this Carolina's got to get creative with how they mm-hmm. fill the roles of some of the guys that are left behind, primarily on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, I think this is something that uh, if Carolina plays a game like they did against A&M in the Orange Bowl a few years ago, they could come away encouraged because Carolina was shorthanded in a bunch of different areas in that game um, and led in the fourth quarter against a team that um, felt like it should have been playing in the college football playoff. And that's why I think we were really excited going into the next year was because they gave you that type of performance in the bowl game. And if, if they come out and do that, whether they, they fall short or not, but they, they look the part, it, you, 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 we'll be talking ourselves in the, you know, in spring ball and in, in fall camp next year and uh, winning maybe eight, nine games again, which I just don't know how realistic that would be post Drake May. And so um, really going to be excited to see. And I think mm-hmm. if the coaching staff is able to get that out of them, you probably believe a little bit more in them. Um, after some of our faith in them kind of lessened as the season came to an end. And so um, that's the thing about this game is that it just provides an opportunity. Uh, it, you know, especially, you know, signing day is all about hope for the future because you're bringing in, you know, the next young group of talent that you hope is going to elevate your program. That's what bowl games are now too, because so many guys either transfer out or opt out play or opt not to play in them. So, you, I mean, every team in the country is probably playing 15 to 20 dudes that weren't playing in late November. And if those guys come out and look the part, you know, you'll be a lot more optimistic uh, going into next year than you probably originally thought. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the last thing that I think we got to talk about here with this game from a Carolina perspective is you said earlier the result ultimately doesn't matter in this game. Um, I, I mean, look, I get what you're saying, and I think, you know, as you brought up with the Texas A&M game, if Carolina just comes out, has a pulse, and looks like a team that wants to fight and just comes up short because they don't have the talent uh, that West Virginia has active for this game, then you probably still leave feeling encouraged. I think Carolina, they the, the reason they should be motivated in this game outside of just the young guys on the roster that get an opportunity is that the coaching staff that is in place badly needs this, whether it's on the defensive side of the football, um, whether it's Mac Brown, the head coach. This program as a whole needs a win to end this season. Last year, it was a complete collapse at the end of the year. You lose the bowl game, and you go into the offseason feeling pretty angry, a lot of conversations about what the future actually holds. And really, you you had to come out, and you did, luckily, to start the season. You had to come out fast against South Carolina. You had to get a win in that game, or else it could have been, you know, one of those seasons that we talked about from the start, uh, Carolina potentially having to move on. If Carolina loses this game, that's now back-to-back seasons that you have had epic collapses to end the season. And I think at this point, it would really start to push the narrative that Carolina's got to start looking for their next head coach and going in a different direction. Because at that point, the energy around the program will have taken a very significant hit. Um, and you you would have to wonder, you know, the reason you brought Mac Brown in here was to make the job better. You wonder now, you know, Drake May would be gone. 
Um, you don't know, especially if you lose this game and you get blown out, especially if it looks anything like that game against NC State at the end of the regular season, what that could ultimately mean for some of the guys that are currently on the roster. There's still plenty of time to enter the transfer portal. I think this is one where Carolina, they don't necessarily have to win this one or else this program just completely falls apart. But you feel like a win could just go such a long way for this program if they were able to find a way to get it done. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone feels better after a win, but I mean, I'd rather be nine and four with a win over NC State in that as that ninth win than a win over West Virginia. I think ultimately how it looks matters. Carolina plays hard and they lose 31-28. Don't think you really worry about you know, the future and three straight losses. And if we're being honest with ourselves, we probably knew in the preseason Carolina wasn't winning at Clemson and more than likely wasn't going to win at NC State. So, like, those were two almost expected losses, if you will. Well, now when you start 6-0, and out, like, sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I hear you, but, like, you know, that's that was just the reality of, of the situation. But, like, but, those but. Were, but here's the th- – we're not passing this off as, oh, well, they, they – they, those were just better teams on the other side. Like, at one they point, season, NC State was a complete disaster. Same thing with Clemson. And you were playing the best – some of the best football in the conference. Um, the fact that you collapsed, the fact that those teams beat you as handedly as they did. I mean, Clemson, it wasn't really handedly. You did it to yourself. But, I mean, to me, it's it's the fashion in which you collapse down the stretch and it's the final game of the regular season. Um, if this ends up being a loss in the bowl game, there's a lot of questions that have to be asked. And I think even if it looks good, um, there's still reasons why you can be concerned about the program overall. There's still reasons why you can make the case that Mac Brown should not be back as the head coach of this program. Like, we can't give them a pass just because, well, you think that those teams probably were ultimately better than them in the preseason. Well, early in the year, they weren't better than you. You showed that you were a team that was supposedly different, but this this coaching staff and the players didn't do a good enough job at the end of the year. They should not get a pass for that no matter what happens in this game. Yeah, I mean, we'll just have to agree to disagree on that. Like, Clemson and State were playing as well as anybody in the conference to end the year. Road game, um, it was always going to be tough for Carolina to win those. Now, if Carolina comes down and gets blasted, and we're talking like Rucker style, like 41-10, 48-14, something like that, then yeah, because you, you theoretically have a month to prepare um, you know, you're as fresh as you've been since the, you know, the season started probably as well, maybe that's healthy as you've been when you look at the tight end room, but you know, like you have a clear answer on guys that are playing and guys that are aren't. So your game plan is going to be, you know, built to plan, you know, to, to, to attack with those guys in mind. Then you have a conversation because then it's just like, now you, now you're getting embarrassed. And maybe maybe this is a locker room that has quit mm-hmm. on Mac Brown. This is a locker room that has quit on his coaching staff. So um, I, I'm of the belief that if Carolina competes, because Carolina shouldn't win the game. Um, Virginia, West Virginia is a better team, and they've got more of their better dudes playing than Carolina does. So if Carolina competes, I think you you take that and be like, you got something to build off when you get into to, to spring ball. You go out there and get blasted, 
then yeah, I think the contention of people that want to move on from Mac Brown, I think they're only going to get louder. Uh, let's get to the keys to the game for Carolina in this one. Uh, and my first key to a Carolina victory is is match the energy of West Virginia. Um, we talked about it. West Virginia is going to come in motivated. They feel like this is a season that is much better than expected, and they feel like this is a great chance to cap it off. Um, their fan base will probably be out in droves. You would imagine that uh, there will be a ton more West Virginia fans there than Carolina fans. Most Carolina fans have absolutely no interest in going to this game. And frankly, no one can really blame them with how this team faded down the stretch again. But this is a team that Carolina, if they want to have any chance of beating them, they have to be able to match the intensity that West Virginia is going to bring to this game. There's guys that are getting their, their uh, chances to, sh to prove to this staff uh, that they're going to be big parts of what this team does moving forward. And we just talked about it right there that, um, you know, regardless of if we agree or not, um, this is a chance to send this season out on a good note and, you know, give the program a little bit of momentum that right now it just doesn't seem to have. Um, but Carolina, you know, we'll, we'll know whether or not this is something that Carolina is up to pretty early in the game. Um, probably within the first couple of drives. Just like South Carolina two years ago. You got a sense pretty early on in that game that it wasn't going to be a fun afternoon, and Lord knows it wasn't as South Carolina uh, ran all up and down the field and, you know, sent Sam Howell out with a, with a pretty disappointing defeat. And, um, you know, maybe maybe I'm just looking at this from an optimistic point of view. I don't think Carolina is going to come out flat because there is just going to be some new blood out there and some guys that are going to be able to strap it up. And I think they're going to be motivated to, 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 to play and play well. Um, and, and that's what bowl games of this caliber are all about. Like, yes, execution matters and what you, you know, what you do, but it really just comes down to motivation. Like, you know, we, we watched the Syracuse teams and they were down 31, nothing in the first half. Like and that's a that's a program that's going through a coaching change. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to be there. They they made the trip to get their bowl gifts and 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 get some money to go play in a bowl game. And so, um, but you're right. I mean, I think you'll know probably by the first two drives on both sides of the ball what kind of game this is going to turn out to be. And I think Carolina is going to make it known to West Virginia early. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to play four four quarters to do just that. Second key to the game is win the line of scrimmage. And I think it really goes on both sides. The, the big focus has to be on the run game. Told you how successful West Virginia has been on the ground. Yeah, they don't have their leading rusher. But at the same time, you've got one explosive back that, you know, it, we've seen Carolina struggle against guys uh, that thrive uh, on the outside, on the edge, uh, on the edges of their defense. And then, um, they got a mobile quarterback, uh, probably the best running quarterback that you've faced so far this year. So Carolina, they, they, their defensive line has to show up in this game. And then on the other side, um, look, Connor Harrell, we love some of the things that we've seen from him. We think there is a lot of potential there. For Carolina to be able to win this game, they're going to have to lean heavily on Amari and Hampton. And in order to do that, you have to win at the line of scrimmage. Carolina hasn't done it much for him 
so far this year. Hampton is a guy that's had to run through a lot of contact. But this is one of those games where Carolina needs to bring it up front. Um, Corey Gaynor is not going to be up there. That's a tough loss. means that you're going to have Willie Lampkin kick over to center. Uh, you're going to play William Barnes in this game. Carolina needs this group, still a veteran group, an experienced one, to step up and uh, really win at the point of attack if they want to pull off the upset over West Virginia. Yeah, this feels like a game that Carolina can't give up any more than maybe 175 rushing yards, and they probably need to rush for 175 to give themselves a chance. To be honest, not confident this defense is going to stop the run. You mentioned, you know, since the Virginia game on, just how inept they were at doing just mm -hmm. that. And if, if Connor Harrell is going to be put in a position to be successful, you probably want him throwing the ball maybe 20 to 25 times at the absolute most. And they need to be in advantageous passing downs. Um, if Carolina's living in, you know, second and third and longs, and he's having to throw it, you know, I don't know if that's a recipe for a success in this game. And so Chip Lindsay, I think, needs to be patient and let Amarian Hampton settle into the game and let this offensive line settle into the game. Remember, they haven't played in a month. So they're not going to come out in rhythm and they're not going to come out in sync. It might take a drive or two to get them going. But, um, you know, mm -hmm. if, if Carolina can hold their own at the line of scrimmage, that's as big a key as anything in them winning this game. Uh, the final key to this game is create turnovers. Carolina, they, they have to create some short fields for this offense. Um, I, I think really you just have to make this game ugly because West Virginia, pound for pound with the talent that's going to be out there as opposed to the group that's going to uh, be out there for Carolina, West Virginia has more talent overall. So Carolina needs to be able to make this an ugly game. If they're able to do that, I think Carolina has a chance. This is something that we've seen Carolina be able to do at different times this year. They've had moments, especially early in the year, where they were able to create timely turnovers. I feel like you got to be able to do that again against the Mountaineers. Especially with a backup quarterback that's 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 making um, that, that, that that's going to start in this game. And you're right. I think that's why we bought in so much defensively in the first half. It wasn't just the pressure numbers. It was. It felt like whenever Carolina needed to get a turnover, they got it, and they gave their offense a short field or you know just stop momentum in that game. This feels like a game where um, you know Carolina needs to force probably at least two turnovers, um, and, and and both that would probably put Carolina in the plus side of maybe the forty yard line to to go in for an easy score, um, and, and really just give that group some confidence to play with when they're on the field. And give this offense some some short fields. Um, you know, if, if if Elijah Huzzy was back there, you could probably even ask him for him to make a couple plays and maybe return one for a touchdown or two because he showed that at different times early on in the year as well. And so, um, I think the biggest thing defensively, you just want to see Carolina play play fast, play loose, and, and and play as physical a game that they've played all year long, and 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 see what it causes. Maybe you know it's going to be cold. Uh, who knows if it, you know, the, the weather, maybe it's raining or something. You got a wet field, a slip ball, or whatever that plays into your favor. But, you know, I think Carolina, no matter what, if they're forced to turnovers or not, they just got to play aggressive and make this West Virginia offense earn everything that they want to get. All right. Let's get to our predictions for the game. What do you see happening uh, on Wednesday against the Mountaineers? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's, 
I think you're going to see a lot of good. I think you'll see a lot of reasons why when we get back here in the spring, we're, we're optimistic. We, we think this team can be a fun, competitive type of team to watch, a team that, you know, will kind of be rebuilding, you know, in the college landscape and really be building for probably 2025 to be their year to maybe take a leap and compete in the ACC. Ultimately, I think West Virginia just has too much. Um, Neil Brown's done as good a job as any coach in the country from potentially being fired in September to winning nine games in December. Um, and I think they'll come away victorious. Give me West Virginia by the final score of 31-20 in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably right in that same neighborhood with you. I think Carolina is going to compete. I think you're going to see some good moments from Connor Harrell. I think ultimately he'll probably prove that he is your starting quarterback moving forward uh, in this game. Uh, I think, you know, Amarian Hampton, he'll have a big game for Carolina. They'll lean on him a lot. I think it'll be a nice way for him to finish the season. Um, I think you'll learn a little bit about guys like Amari Campbell, um, Caleb Cost, a guy who will be in there probably playing uh, the majority of the snaps at uh, Nickelback with Elijah Huzzy out. Um, I think some of these guys will step up and play well because they know that this is their opportunity to prove themselves. But ultimately, there's just too much talent there for West Virginia. This game means more for West Virginia, and I think in the end, that'll just be too much to overcome for Carolina. I like West Virginia in this one, uh, 28-17 over Carolina. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank you guys for watching and listening. Make sure you head over to the website, check out all the stuff that we got going on over there, getting you prepared for this game. And then of course, when we're recapping this game, uh, as well as all the signing day stuff and on the basketball side of things, plenty of stuff uh, with Carolina now getting ready to head into conference play. One more non-conference game before they do that. Josh has you covered with all that but for now. Uh, stepping away, Anthony Pagnotta, Josh Marlowe saying so long. Thanks for watching and listening to this edition of the podcast. And as always, go Tar Heels.